Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Have you listened to any news in the last 10 minutes, last five minutes? If so, you've heard some kind of talk about fairness regarding the presidential debate that's happening right now, the presidential race. Or if you're older than five years old, you've heard sometime in your life that life just isn't fair. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group, educational resources to help reach your goals. So fairness, good evening, friends. That's what we're talking about tonight. I want to share an experiment with you that happened in 2003. A pair of brown capuchin monkeys are sitting in a cage. I said, does this sound like the start of the joke? How'd you guys walk into a bar? <laughs> no, not really. This is a true experiment. This was with two female monkeys, capuchin monkeys in a cage. And the first thing to know before we go on is that capuchin monkeys really like grapes. They like grapes a lot better than cucumbers. The second thing to know is that a monkey living alone in a cage is happy to eat either a grape or a cucumber even though they like grapes better. So in this experiment, from time to time, the caretakers would give tokens to the two monkeys who are in a cage together. So the monkeys have already learned that they can exchange these tokens for food. So what happens when the reward for the tokens becomes unfair? To test for this reaction, when the monkeys exchange identical tokens, one monkey gets a cucumber and the other monkey gets the preferred grape. So what did the monkey do who received the cucumber? Uh, Yeah, you can imagine, since I'm telling you this story, the monkey who sees that she's received a cucumber while her partner has gotten a grape reacts with anger and throws the cucumber away from the cage. So uh, monkeys hate being disadvantaged. Uh, It's funny, this instinctual aversion to getting less than others has been found in dogs too and, of course, in people. So we know this dislike of unfairness in humans, it starts instinctively at an early age because in another experiment, babies as young as 12 months showed a distinct preference for fair-acting cartoon animals over unfair ones. So they have, they demonstrate a preference. So what's really interesting to me, though, and what you might find 
possibly might find surprising about the research out there is what happens on the flip side of unfairness when you feel like you're giving an unfair advantage. So last December, the results of experiments that spanned seven nations were published. The country and countries, plural, countries involved in this study were India, Uganda, Peru, Senegal, Mexico, Canada, and the United States. So the study looked closely at 900 children ages 4 to 15. The researchers would sit two children down at a table, and each child has an empty bowl in front of them. Above each of the bowls is a tray with candy. The amount of candy in each tray is not the same, though. There might be four candies on one tray and only one on the other. So one child is tested at a time. The child being tested faces a choice. The choice is they can pull a green handle, which would cause the candies on each of the trays to fall into their respective bowls. So the child being tested is deciding for both themselves and the child next to them at the table, testing one child at a time. The second option for the child being tested is to pull a red handle, which would cause all of the candy in both of the bowls to fall into a third bowl in the center, which was off limits to both children. So neither child would get any candy with this option. So what do you think the kids did? Of course, yes, they tended to reject the option to split the candy when the other child would get more. So that wasn't fair. So they would choose the red lever, which made the candy go in the third bowl and nobody got any. So this indicates that, of course, we don't like to be unfairly advantaged, but or disadvantaged, but what is really funny is that on the flip side of that, 66% of the time, the kids rejected the split when they themselves would receive more. And this does indicate that we also do not like to be unfairly advantaged either. At least that was the case in three of the countries. You want to take a guess which three? I'll go ahead and tell you. It's Canada, the United States, and Uganda. How about that? In the other countries, Mexico, India, Senegal, and Peru, uh, those kids took the candy even when they were given more. They didn't mind the inequality. Interesting, just kind of a a side note. So, So why do you think the kids chose not to take the long end of the stick, so to speak. Oh, and I um, have to insert that I am really grateful for those kids. They may have made that choice, this is what the researchers believe, because rejecting the offer to have an unfair advantage sends a social signal. As we live in a society, in the United States we do, and of course the other two countries I mentioned, in the study anyway, Canada and Uganda, that living in these societies where ideas of fairness and equality are valued in society, then it becomes meaningful to show yourself as sharing that same value. 
even at a personal cost. So those around you might feel that since you're the type of person who believes in equity, no matter what, even if it costs you something personal, then you are valuable to society and worthy of respect. So there's the value. Apparently respect is more important than candy. This means the idea of fairness is more about status. As we mature, status doesn't from having more material things. It also comes from being an admirable role model. And interestingly, that is demonstrated at an early age for children. If you want to read more about these studies, I did get this information from a report in the New Yorker that was reported January 7th, 2016. So a little bit more detailed information on these studies if you'd like to read more about those. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest-growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully-accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. So, anyway, educationally speaking, for me, right here, the fact that in this study, it kind of brings out the fact that fairness, that value, that skill being in those children, it guided their decision-making. So educationally speaking, right here is precisely, in my opinion, what is going to make our world great. This is what's going to make our world great. And this is exactly why I do what I do. I think raising children who will become adults making decisions based on fairness is the only way to ensure a world that has it. We can never, never ever create enough regulations to outlaw unfairness. Things happen. We complain to our legislator. Our legislator tries to show that they've done something for the community. They get a new law passed and and we try to continually stay one step ahead of unfairness and outlaw it and create rules, but you can't regulate human behavior. Not really. We can create rules, and they help they help establish what society values. But, again, it's always like trying to stay one step ahead. The surest way is to have these skills, these values instilled in each individual person, especially when there are already so many people in a position of power who really only care about themselves, not really making decisions what's necessarily based on what's good for all of us as a whole, as a country, as a world. Uh, It's going to take some kind of grassroots efforts, I think, to get people coming up through the ranks that make decisions based on not self-interest, but what's really best for the majority of people involved. So I think really lasting change will really only come from the inside of each individual. Okay, that's my political speech, end of that. So back to fairness. Fairness can be taught, but it is certainly best to start when when we're very young 
and but then never stop because the subject of these shows is emotional intelligence. Another term for emotional intelligence is soft skills. And advancing our emotional intelligence is a lifelong process. So just like as adults we read, and and teenagers too, maybe are reading books and newspapers, or certainly books, but I mean newspapers too. We do that this to continually feed our intellect and continually stay aware of what's going on in the world and grow our knowledge base. And it's the same for emotional intelligence. I think that's something that continues to grow over our entire lives too. So obviously with any kind of intellect, we want to start young and and continue growing that our entire lives. So I want to give some things we can do, what we can do for kids to help them learn fairness. But you'll see as I talk about these that they're really things that we can do as adults too. At least they can be modified to use these little pointers to advance our adult skills in fairness too. So the first thing that I want to say that I think is important for children and adults, for everyone, is to always invite the child or the adult, whoever you're talking with, to share their beliefs and feelings verbally. Ask communication, talk about it, value it, let it be understood. And then have the child, if we're talking about a child situation here, teaching children how to be fair, then have the child ask how the other child is feeling. Have them describe then how the other person they may be in conflict with is feeling in their own words. I think doing this is so important because it's it's a way of continually reinforcing in day-to-day life that other people have feelings too. And it's important to learn to identify those and recognize those. And not only does it have a calming effect on our own sense of fairness, but truly makes for really lovable human beings that can understand that everybody has feelings and use that to play and grow their own sense of fairness. So that's our first way. A uh, second way to help kids, and of course this helps us too. If I want to refresh my sense of fairness, I'm feeling a little, little weak in that area, then read a book on anger, read books on fairness. And and with children then, especially talk about the story or as an adult, talk to a friend, go have coffee and talk about the story. So what what did they like? What did you like and what did you not like about the story? Um, ask, I'm kind of bouncing back and forth between children and adults because they just want to kind of show that these can be used for both. But uh, if you're talking to your child and trying to teach them how to learn fairness, ask them after you read the story, how they would have handled it if this happened to them. How, have them role play, put themselves in the place of the person in the story, and then ask them, okay, what would you have done? That's a real non-combative way to develop this fairness skill. Um, this allows the, the child to, to visualize fairness. And just by working through those scenarios, it actually puts tools in their mental toolbox 
that they have access to use when they're actually in a situation where they feel that there's unfairness. So they then they're, they're prepared. And there's nothing like preparation, studying for the test, you know, getting ready for, for what's ahead to make you feel confident at the time and slide into using those tools very easily and not trying to figure it out at the time and then run the whole gamut of the other emotions that, that come with it. You've already got that worked out. So the third thing is just to play games where kids have to work together cooperatively, um, good Games for this are like building games or even stacking decks of cards where they're doing something they're building together, and it requires each of them to make the outcome happen. Those are great games that kind of foster and grow fairness and cooperation. And I would, for a fourth step, a really great thing to do is to go further with this game playing and be very intentional think consciously about teaching the child fairness by setting up scenarios for the kids to solve that use a skill. For example, say there are three children, just pick a simple, easy number, present the three children with a plate of five cookies and then ask them to divide them fairly and then just let them go a step away and let them work it out for themselves, some solutions that they can come up with to solve the task, which is to divide the cookies fairly. And that'll that'll really foster and develop those fairness skills. And then uh, actually, you know, go ahead and verbally tell your child some techniques that will help them when they feel like they're in an unfair situation. So you can teach things like this. And, of course, these techniques certainly work for adults, too. These are definitely adult techniques as well. Uh, But learning them, the younger we learn them, of course, the more we practice they are and the more, the easier they are to use. So the first technique to help address unfairness is to take a deep breath, right? Count to 10. Count to 10 before reacting. Um... Yeah, because with unfairness comes anger, possibly, and retaliation and retribution. Count to ten. Take a deep breath. Count to ten. It's a great technique. Ten seconds can make a world of difference when you're dealing with a really strong emotion. Uh, Second technique to teach is, you know, maybe counting to ten isn't enough. So in this case... Empower the child to take charge of their own emotions. And by telling them it's okay to say something like, I need a few days before I can talk about this anymore. That's okay. If your emotion's on that high level, then that's being responsible for your own emotions and handling them, being present in the moment, understanding what's going on with your own self. And there's nothing wrong with taking a a few minutes, a few hours, a few days to step away from the situation and think about it. And then we can come back and we can really talk with a clear head and a clear mind. So a third technique is then to empower the child again, empower ourselves, talking about children or adults here, to empower ourselves to speak up for being treated fairly. It's okay to calmly say, I think this would be more fair if we did X and Y. 
yeah, empower empower yourself, empower your child to speak those words. Plant that thought in the toolbox so it's there to access in the moment. It's a little harder when your emotions are all over the place or you're frustrated or angry to to kind of weave through all those thoughts and come up with a solution. But it's just like I said, studying for a test. You know, you've already put the answers in your head instead of trying to figure them out at the time. And uh, another good thing is just to talk your feelings over with someone else. Nothing like insight from other people to help you come up with more options on how to handle the situation. And and even if you don't come up with anything new by talking to someone, just having that validation, having someone listen, and having an outlet for your own possible hostile feelings when there's unfairness, then really goes a long way to make a difference. So I'm not quite sure how we apply all this. Or actually, I do know, but I'm hoping that maybe these tools will come in handy because one week from now, less than a week from now, half the country is going to be unhappy one way or the other, whoever becomes our president. So maybe we should, well, good thing we got this show out just in time, huh? to put some techniques out there. So that's it for me this evening. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings. Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels.